From the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. It's great to have you here today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. For all of those uh, coming over from other platforms, TikTok and Instagram and so forth, for those of you that are new to Badass Counseling, uh, welcome, and uh, I hope you enjoy the show. We're looking at one particular aspect of dating. We've got a couple of guests tonight. We'll be dealing with them, talking with them, learning from them individually. Uh, but it seems that one of the themes that we're looking at inside of uh, what's going on is this idea of moving forward when it comes to dating, that there are times in life where we're in a situation where we've been dating and we want to move forward, but it seems like things aren't moving forward. And then there are times in life where we're maybe in a, a relationship and, and we don't want to move forward. That the relationship has been good and so forth, but maybe something has gone wrong or it's not as fulfilling as it was, but we're dealing with a specific aspect of moving forward uh, versus staying put uh, as it pertains to dating. So we've got two guests this evening uh, that I'm really excited to meet and talk with. And uh, the first one we're going to talk with this evening uh, is named Jennifer. And uh, Jennifer, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, where you're joining from, if you would. Hi, Sven. So I'm from New Jersey. And it's great to have you here. Jennifer, go ahead and give us a little bit of background Um I know that you've been, uh, you know, in a relationship uh, for a bit of time and you, you've been dating. And, and tell me a little bit about that. So I was in a relationship for um, about nine years. I left that relationship, had him move out, wasn't working out. Um, I took a good four to five years to work on myself. Good for you. Um, you know, just gardening, the kids, you know, my, my dogs, uh, my career, um, found a great career, um, while I wasn't involved in a relationship. So that that's a plus that came out of it. Um, but now, you know, I'm, I'm ready to move on and, you know, find somebody. And I, I, I did find somebody off of, um, the wonderful Tinder app. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it well may, maybe it did I, I don't know we're still going through some things but um so where is it at Jennifer you said you started dating what a few months ago and, what, and how was yep, it three months ago. it was it was incredible it was magical it was everything was great it was the whole honeymoon phase um but he was going through a divorce at the time he was moving selling his house. Um, you know, he works and travels and he's gone all week. Um, so we would see each other on weekends. And then it got, you know, to the point where it was, you know, the texting slowed down. and You know, he wasn't sure um, if he could really commit to the relationship like I wanted him to commit to it. And I was okay with that. Um, and prior to that, Prior to it slowing down, you felt like you were both sort of moving in sort of the same trajectory at sort of the same pace. You both were going right. in the same direction. Okay. So what happened? Yes. Um, and then he, he just pulled back, you know, and he said, um, you know, he's not sure he's ready, um, you know, for the relationship, to, for it to become a relationship, which I was fine with. Um you know, but he's he's not really sure what to do with himself either at this point. If he should continue with me, he loves spending time together with me. Um, you know, we have a great time. We enjoy each other's company. Um, but we just, you know, we just don't know where it's heading right now. I definitely want it more. I'm ready for it more than he is. Did he indicate... Basically. Did he indicate what specifically is the reason that he's not sure? Um, he did not. And just out not. of curiosity. He he knows, go ahead. He said he knows that, you know, he needs professional help for a professional to help him 
um, work through his issues. He, he does not discuss anything. Um, you know, whenever we talked about things, it was very plain and simple. It wasn't anything about the relationship. It wasn't nothing heavy. Everything was just, you know, watch a movie and just hang out. So let me ask you, Jennifer, was there, how did that feel that there was no sort of deeper conversation, that everything was sort of surface? Was that fine by you or was there a measure, even when it was good, even when it was, as you say, magical, was there a measure of unfulfillment because there wasn't uh, any sort of going deeper or that sort of deeper level connection or, or during the magical period, did you not really care about that? Um, in the very beginning, I really didn't care too much about it, but as it went on a little bit, I kind of wanted to find out, you know, more about him. And cause I, I don't, I, I still don't know the ins and outs of him. You know, we don't, we never discussed anything deep. There were no deep conversations whatsoever. And I like to get into things like that. So, um, but, but I also. push him. So you also say that again, you didn't want to push him. Right. And the reason right. you didn't want to push him is what, what were you afraid of? Um, I didn't want to put him out of his comfort zone. I wanted him to be able to talk to me about things when he was ready to talk to me. Okay. Um, and let me ask, you know, I didn't want to let me ask, what was the fear that if I talked to him, uh, when, you know, I'm going to wait for him to come to me when he wants to talk to me, um, that seems to indicate I want to talk now. Um, I, I want to discuss more things now, but I'm sort of fearful that if I push, he'll pull away or not want me or something. Right. I guess what I'm wondering is right. why was in your, at least in your own head, why was his agenda or his, the, his feelings driving your agenda rather than your feelings and what you wanted driving your agenda? That's a great question. Is it possible? That's a great is it possible that you are afraid of something? Is it possible that I'm afraid that if I put out there what I want and what I want is I actually want just some answers and I want some deeper conversation. I want to, I want you to open up. Is it possible that if I put out there what I want, he might pull away and then I'll lose this sort of magical guy. Yep, exactly. And so that's exactly it. Fair enough. And so let me ask this question, if I may, um, is this, uh, a pattern for you in your life, the people you've been in relationships with, the people you've dated, that you tend to hold back from putting out there what I want or seeking what I want for fear that if I uh, exhibit, if I put out there what I want, they may not like me. They may pull away from me. Is that a, a pattern behavior or is that specific to this particular guy? Oh, I would. that's definitely pattern behavior. And so... Yep. Is it possible then that to some degree, at least, your discontent in the relationship is because of your own fear of opening up? Yes, you say you're wanting him to open up. And I understand that. I mean, that's one of the ways we connect, that deeper connection, that sharing of soul. But is it possible that the, that him not opening up is because you're not, uh, you're fearful of opening up? And yes, it is possible. The truth is when we open up, when we seek what I want for me, you are going to lose people. But isn't it interesting in this particular case, you sort of have lost them anyway. Right. Yep. And, and so let me ask you just, uh, if I may, where do you think you got the message? Just out of curiosity, where do you think you got the message that if I reveal what I, what I want, if I ask for what I want in a relationship, being at a, a dating relationship or a friendship or what have you, but particularly in a dating relationship, where do you think you got the message that what I want either A, doesn't matter or B, might scare someone away? That where were you taught to keep what you want in and that that it doesn't have validity? Where, where'd you pick that up? Who taught you that? I have no idea. I, I really don't. Fair enough. I do not. Fair enough. Let me go. Well, I had a good childhood. Sure. No. Sure. Let me ask you this. Were your wants important growing up? No. Well, there you go. 
See, the, the truth is, as we get into adulthood, as we get into adult relationships, we really, it's not like you became a new person or you had some radical personality shift once you started dating. No, how you were acting within the context of your dating relationships had already been pre-patterned back long before you started dating. And we see, and so this is sort of one of those messages that I talk about in my book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup. One of these, okay, that gets pressed into the cement of the soul that my wants aren't important. So if you were, your parents may have never said, Jennifer, your wants aren't important. They may never have explicitly said it, but holy shit, when I think back on my past, no one ever gave a shit what I wanted. In fact, that perhaps, and, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I don't mind being wrong, all right? I just want to understand, perhaps uh, that you your wants were ignored. Does that resonate at all? No, that's yeah, it does. That's accurate. Interesting. Yep. And so... But I never thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> And, and we don't. I never thought about it. No, I understand. And the truth is, we don't want to think about stuff like we that. We don't want to think about stuff like that. And let me ask you, and that raises a great question, Jennifer. I love what you just said. Why don't we want to think about it? Why don't you want to think about, holy shit, I may have gotten this message back there, or holy shit, when I was a kid, nobody gave a crap about my wants. Why don't you want to think about that, Jennifer, if you were being totally honest? I think because then we have to dig deep and do the work and fix it. And, and what's the and fear? It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but what's the fear that if I dig deep and look back into that past, what's the fear, Jennifer? What are you afraid of seeing or what are you afraid of experiencing or what are you afraid of feeling? If you go back and look uh, at the messages that you were given and what the experiences really were. Probably resentment towards whoever made me feel that way. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that just a few minutes ago you said, I had a good childhood. And I don't doubt that you did, Jennifer. I, I don't doubt that. But isn't it interesting that even amid that flower garden that was your childhood, there were weeds? Sure. Yeah. And that there were things that, uh, some bad things in there that had a powerful, lasting impression on you, so much so that now, even decades later, it's impacting your relationships. The power of imprinting, yep. yeah. And yep. and so let Every me. One of them. That makes total Every sense. Really. <laughs> that makes total sense. Yep. So let me ask you this, then, Jennifer. The real issue, then, or one of the issues that I heard you that I hear you asking is, you know, how do I let go, and or do I let go? Am I ready to let go? Is the hardest thing for you right now letting go of how good it was? Or is it not knowing whether or not I even want to let go? What's the hardest part in this equation? Because you sound like you're between, gee, do I stay in even though I'm doing all the work and it's really changed? You're between that and, but I feel like I should let go because I'm not getting my needs met. I think it's a little bit of both, you know, because I feel like, I don't know if it's because, you know, I'm a mom or a female or what it might be, but I always feel like I can fix someone or help someone or bring them out of whatever deep, dark hole that they're in, you know? Yeah. And I, that's, go ahead, please. No, go ahead. I was done. I was just going to say, and, and, you know, that's very common among a, a great many people who date, not just women. Okay. That's, it would be easy to go there. Um, but let me ask you this, but it, wouldn't it be safe to say that the desire to fix someone, the desire to fundamentally change them is driven by the desire that if I can just fix him, then I'll get what I want. Then I'll get to feel, then I'll receive whatever the gifts or whatever the words or whatever the actions are, whatever the conversations are that I want. That if I can fix him, then I can get my needs met. Possible? Possible. I mean, I, I love to help people too. I believe so that's, you. I believe you, but that's a big I believe you, but we've already established that within the context of this relationship, the desire is for him to do something other than what he's doing. The desire is for him to be interacting more, giving more in the relationship, but also the desire is for him to open up and reveal to you who he is because it's in that right. that you feel connected. So is it possible that the desire to fix him and sort of what keeps you holding on is that if I fix him, 
then the relationship can go either back to magical or to a higher level of magical. And then I'll get the needs met that I need to get met. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you uh, one last question, if I may. Mm-hmm. What is your single biggest fear if you let go and move on? I guess the unknown of, of what it could have been. Because mm. cause I do still hang on to everything, you know, in the beginning. Like He had me moving in with him, you know, after the first month and a half. You know, it was, you know, you can move here if you want. And I'm going to have, you know, my new place. And, you know, which which I wouldn't do. You know, I have a life here and he lives about 45 minutes away, but you know, that's where this whole thing was in the beginning. So I do hang on to all of that. Um, and he admits, you know, that he's, he's, um, more of a coward and, you know, wouldn't text me for days on end. Um, and then finally text me and apologize and, you know, so it's just, um, it's kind of back and forth right now. And so the fear, if you move on, if I'm hearing you correctly, the fear is what? Fear of the unknown, fear of not knowing what's ahead, or is it fear of losing something that I fear I may never have again? Um, I think it's just a fear of what could have been. Mm. But how is that if a I fear? That's a sense of oh. loss. That's a grief. Yeah for what could have been, but what's the fear in all of this? What is the single most, the single biggest thing you're most afraid of if you move on? What do you fear happening? Um, probably that I'm not gonna find someone like him. There you go. And not just someone like him, but think about it, what the, your relationship with him made you feel that magical feeling like, holy shit, this is exciting and this is great and this is what I've wanted. And it's hard to let go of that. Um, you know, that once it sort of dulls a bit or they that, that he is interacting less, it's hard to let go of what was for fear I may never experience that again. So in a way, moving forward or letting go of the love that was requires trusting that love will come again. And perhaps if I have the courage to continue to do the healing that you talked about that you have been doing, that the next love will be even better. And so let me ask you, Jennifer, and it's a hard question, but do you have the ability to trust that love will come again? Or is the fear that it won't come again uh, too great? Yeah, I think it's too great at the moment, but I think, you know, if I give it time, then it'll it'll come back. I mean, it always comes back. It's just it's just getting over, you know. Right. The yeah, that part of it. And so the challenge then is in your work with self, in your journaling and so forth, the challenge always is to go into what are my greatest fears in moving forward, but also what are my greatest fears if I continue to hold on? What do I fear happening? And I have to believe, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I have to believe that if I hold on, it's just going to get worse and I'm going to feel even worse in this relationship. But let me ask you, what is your fear if you continue to hold on? What do you most fear that happening? I'm never going to, you know, get to where I want to get um, right. with him. Right. Yeah. And, and then that sense of, holy shit, I wasted all this fucking time and so on and so forth. And so part of, part of the whole dating process is just trusting the feel. Trusting the energy and the way you sort of describe it, it has sort of a down energy now, whereas before it was invigorating and so forth, and it's beginning to trust my energy. And that means also having the ability to let go when it no longer breathes life into me, trusting that it will come again, trusting that I'll be okay. Does that make sense? No, I, I kind of knew you were going to say that, but <laughs> I needed to hear <laughs> I needed you to tell me that. I hear you. <laughs> so, I hear you. Uh, thank you. No. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jennifer, for being on the Badass Counseling Show. And you've been a great guest. And I really appreciate your yeah. willingness to open up and, and share your story. Sure. Thank you so much for doing this. You have to keep doing this. Thank you, Jennifer. And after this, uh, we'll reach out to Jen. Are you finally ready to turn your life around? 
Finally get the clarity, happiness, and sense of purpose you've been waiting for your whole life. Then go to BadassCounseling.com now and get the international best-selling book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup. It changed my life. It'll change yours. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Now, back to the badass. Welcome back to the show. It's great to have you at the Badass Counseling Show. We're talking about dating today, specifically the whole notion of moving forward, wanting to move forward, not wanting to move forward. And uh, we were talking with Jennifer, and now we are going to be talking with Jen, who's in a bit of a different position. Jen, are you there? Hey. Hey, it's great to have you here. Thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. How about you? I feel like a million bucks. Thanks for asking. Uh, give us a give us a little bit of a background, Jen. You've been dating for uh, some time, haven't you? <laughs> so I was married for about twelve years. Um, that ended divorce. Gave myself a little bit of time, and then dove back into the dating field. And I've been in a few long term relationships, um, of probably a year or two each. And then in the last three or four years, just on the dating um, sites and meeting one person, dating for a few months, and then just recently ended what's called a situationship that was about eight or nine months long, and it was overdue to end it. Um, but because of some of the issues that I struggle with, I it just, I couldn't end it. And finally, it came down to seeing him in the gym with another woman for me to end it. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, and then, and then it's been done, and now I'm working back to working on myself and really putting in the effort this time to clear out all the garbage from the past that I know is weighing me down and a hundred percent take responsibility for it. So, um, yeah, and that's why I got your book because I'm just done. I'm fed up with my actions and what I'm allowing and what I'm doing to sabotage relationships. So, and so what do you think it is, Jen? And, and, and that's powerful. And the truth is, Jen, you know, you've been in and out of those relationships. We've all been there. That struggle and why is it not clicking and staying in? Just like we talked about with Jennifer just a minute ago, the notion of staying in, should I stay, should I go? And sometimes we stay in too long when it's bad. Uh, and always the fear of, oh, shit, if I get out now, what if, you know, am I leaving mm -hmm. too soon? You know, we've all struggled with this. Let me ask you. Um, what's the real question that you can't seem to find resolution to? I'm sure you, you indicate there are many issues that you feel you're dealing with, but what's the real one that sort of keeps you up at night or what's the main question, at least most recently that you're most wrestling with or most struggling with? Um, oh my gosh. Um, self-sabotaging relationships. Um, why am I anxious? Why do I have an anxious attachment? Um, okay. I mean, uh, there's, there's a long list. Well, I know there is, with. I know there is. And, and, and so that's why I asked the question, what is the biggest, what for you is really, what does it come down to? Or what's the thread? What's the through line running through all of them? Not being good enough to be in a relationship, not being, <sighs> not being good enough. If I'm hearing you correctly, yeah. the somewhere in you, you believe that, for lack of a better word, you suck. I suck. I'm not good enough to be in a relationship. Am, am I hearing you correctly? I feel like, yeah, I feel like over time they will see all my faults. Mm. And it's just a matter of time before those faults come out. Um, picking myself apart, picking them apart, um, ruining relationships, Um yeah, and they're good. they will eventually see that. Fair enough, and and I get that. And to be very honest with you, uh, Jen, this is something I see a lot, a lot. Just that man, and this is what keeps all of us, and even Jennifer, a few minutes ago, with that fear of opening up with the questions I have and what I want, and I want a greater connection. But we all have this fear, and it, it you know, to a greater or lesser degree, and it permeates so many of our relationships, and and even our careers relationships with our kids yes. and friendships, this fear that of showing you who I really am, because I fear that if I reveal the real me, maybe in the questions I ask or the things that I want in this relationship or doing what I want to do or 
not doing the things that I don't want to do. The fear is that if I show you who I really am, you may not like me. And then guess what? Rejection. Hey, that's right. And then you walk away. That's right. Fear of rejection. And so uh, I'm going to ask you, if we're, let's go deep. I'm just curious. Yeah. If you were to be totally yeah. honest, what is the single biggest thing about you that you're most terrified to reveal? That you are absolutely convinced if this person knew this about me, oh, they would surely leave. What is the greatest fear? What do you most fear revealing? That I might explode during a, uh, a conversation. I feel like I can be a good communicator, but that time when I feel very anxious and very um, nervous if they don't if they don't answer the phone or if they don't text back at a certain time that they're going to see the real me that I think will come out. And, um, and you're referring anxious, you're referring to what anger, rage? Is that what it is? Or um, just that um, I might blow up during a conversation, and I really have been working on that. But there are times where I feel like I get triggered, and then I just lose it. Okay, and those triggers feel like they come from the past. Oh, for sure. And, and as you may have heard me talk about uh, in different videos or even in the book, that mm -hmm. all that, to your point, the stuff from the past gets stuck into our love cup. Those messages or those experiences that had a negative emotional charge attached to them, right? So many memories. Uh, you know, yesterday I uh, was parking at Starbucks and somebody cut me off. Well, that memory of that Starbucks, trivial as it sounds, has a somewhat negative emotional charge to it that I'm fucking pissed at this guy. Fuck you, man, that was my spot. All right, so yep. it has an emotional charge. Well, what happens is our love cup over the course of a lifetime or even over the course of a childhood fills up with memories. And if there are a lot of them with negative emotional charges attached to them, we've got a love cup that's basically just waiting. <laughs> it's like, a, a yeah. for lack of a better cliche, it's a ticking time bomb that you drop in one more negative experience and all of a sudden, zzz, 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 all of those memories, yeah. all of those emotional charges get triggered. That is that sort of what I'm hearing you saying? Yes. Okay. And you, in one of your videos, it hit deep. It's all those little cuts of past relationships, my childhood, those little cuts that just add up. And I, and, and that's what triggers me. And in those moments when I'm triggered, I'm so anxious. I just want to fix the problem immediately. And, and then I push too hard. And yeah. When in fact, the problem that's happening between you know, you and me, if, if it's uh, you and me at the table or I'm sitting at the table with Steve and, and Steve says something and, and, or isn't hearing or whatever. And all of a sudden I'm triggered. And now we've got a problem between me and Steve when the original source of the problem is inside of me. Yes. And yep. not to say that Steve doesn't have issues. I'm sure he does. Right. I mean, who doesn't, yeah. but in this particular moment, Steve may have been some, saying something quite innocuous and or a genuine question or whatever, but because it hits some similar memory or some uh, some charged memory, it triggered one of them and then they all just start fucking firing, yeah. right? Okay, so then um, that stands to reason then that really the, the problem inside of me is that I've got these emotional charges. I've got this past. And uh, one of the things I... I tell people very often is, you know, people will say, well, I've got this issue and I've got that issue and I've got this other issue. And I say, you may very well. And I'm, I don't want to take those away from you. Um, they're yours. However, what we find is that the more we decharge our past, the more we go into that past, scary as it is, as Jennifer was talking about a few minutes ago, the more we go into that past and begin to look at the pain and the fears and the bullshit beliefs I was taught about myself in so many of those experiences, such as the bullshit belief of your wants don't matter, or such as the bullshit belief that you were taught somewhere back there that you're no good, you're not good enough, right? And, and the more we go back and unearth those, the less power they have over us, right? Uh, my mother passed away at the age of 93 just last year, and she did uh, what I do. She did it much longer, and um, and she was much wiser than I am, but one of the things she used to say is naming the beast is half the problem, Sven. Having the courage to go back and even look at those memories, knowing they've got that fucking emotional charge. It's like, shit, that's the last thing I want to do. 
And we spend our lives yeah. running from those memories and the charges, right? Yeah. And I have um, my my list here of from your from your video from your audio I've been listening to, and I've been writing them down and journaling and journaling, and I get to a point where I just feel numb and I can't get past, can't break through that numb feeling. So I'm like, how can I get past that numb feeling so I can feel these emotions? And then let them go and be done with it. But I'm, I feel so numb that I can't break through that. All right. So I don't know. No, no. This is, and, and Jen, that actually is totally normal. Part of, the, part of, and I'm going to ask you a question about that numbness, but part of the numbness is that for the first time in your life, you're, you're feeling things that you weren't allowed to feel. See, when that child has those experiences, if they aren't allowed to feel, to naturally express the pain when it comes out, and you watch a Lifetime movie, you start fucking crying, right? I mean, it's a, it's a natural response. Yeah. Crying's a natural response. Anger is a natural response. But if a child is getting the message, no, 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 young lady, I'll give you something to be sad about, or you know, don't you express your anger around me, young man. Okay, so then the child has to stuff those down. So what the child does is they stuff them inside that cigar box and wrap it up in duct tape and stick it way down deep inside under the bed next to the Christmas sweaters. And so in a way, that five-year-old you or that 10-year-old you has been carrying that cigar box your whole life and is coming to you now and saying, please open it. I wasn't strong enough. There wasn't room. They weren't nice. I couldn't let the feelings out. And you've been running from that fucking cigar box. We all run until we realize I'm sick of running. And I've got so much shit in that cigar box. I've got so many charged memories in that cup. It's ruining my fucking life, right? Yeah. I mean, it's ruining your daily life. And let me ask you, um, yeah. I, I thought, and I could be wrong, did I sort of hear a tear there or, you know, sort of a, a little something? Oh, yeah. No, you have the, you, I mean, it is. And I just, like, I, I'm trying to own it and I, I want to be, Done, not done with it, but you know, being able to be okay, and I like I can't break through that that feeling of just feeling so numb. And I've been working and working on it. I'm like, when is it going to release? When 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 does it release? Right. And so let me ask you a question about that numbness. Um, but before I ask that question, uh, we're going to go to a commercial, and we'll come right back, Jen. Okay. It took me to the place that scared me the most. The crap I've been running from my whole life. The stuff that's been dragging me down. And it literally began the healing. I feel lighter, clearer, and just happier. Finally, some freaking peace. You gotta get this book. There's a hole in my love cup. Or the do-it-yourself video courses. All at badasscounseling.com. It's totally killer stuff. Now back to more badass counseling with Sven. And we are back, and we are talking with Jen, and uh, talking about uh, this notion of when we go back into. We've been talking about dating and this idea of moving forward, this idea of holding on, this idea of wanting to move forward. Should I move forward? Am I able to move forward? And and what we're finding in our conversation with Jen is that she feels as though there are issues bogging her down. She sees it, not just feels it. She sees it, she feels it, she knows it uh, from inside and seeing some of her own stuff and wanting to fix it. And Jen, you've been telling us that you've gone back into some of that stuff. And uh, as some of these memories, these emotionally charged memories are coming up, you're feeling numb inside and not don't know how to break through the numbness. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. And, and, and as I mentioned, part of the numbness is, is just normal and that there is in a way, the numbness is somewhat of a, a self-protection mechanism. The, sort of your system is saying, okay, this is a lot. We just need to just catch our breath here. All right. Um, and so we don't have to force it. If you were not used to, if a person isn't used to a lot of powerful emotion, and powerful memories with those emotional charges, if we're not used to it, that we have to take it somewhat sort of microdosing, so to speak. We start slow and, you know, kind of like when you start running again or exercising again, it's like, okay, I can, I can run for a block, but I need to walk for like five mm -hmm. blocks before I run another block. 
And so uh, what I would encourage you to do is just take your time. You don't have to force the breaking through of a numbness. And in fact, I liked what Jennifer said earlier when we were talking to her. She had mentioned that um, when we were sort of talking before the show, she had mentioned she's reading the book, but at times she's going backwards. She got about halfway through the book and uh, she went back and read a chapter and she just was sort of, the impression I got was she was sort of following her instincts. And it's just like, I'm not ready to move forward yet, but I, I want to go back or, or even I want to just rest, just take a breather. And because uh, and, the goal in all of this, Jen, is really the trusting of my own intuition and being able to hear it. And so sometimes that numbness is, okay, I just need to fucking catch my breath a bit. Let me ask you this though, Jen, yeah. as you've been going back into those memories, you've seen how... Uh, those emotional charges are affecting your dating life today. First of all, it's fucking fascinating, isn't it? How the past yes. can play yes. such a powerful role in something as seemingly simple. Well, I was going to say as simple as dating, but we all know dating is not simple. Um, right. But it, it, it is fascinating that it, it can play such mm -hmm. a powerful role. So let me ask you this. Um, you you say you've you've sort of reached a point of getting numb. What is the one question? What is the one issue or uh, that sort of caused you to go into this numbness? Or when did it happen? Or what's the what's the issue that you've been struggling with most inside of or during this time of numbness? Um, I'm pissed off at myself for wasting nine months on a man that I knew that was not right for me. And I, and I have been writing down, okay, why? Why are you mad? And trying to break that down. Um, and angry at myself for every wasted moment and every past relationship that I've wasted too long in. And I just, I'm angry, I guess that's what I said. I'm angry that it's taken me too long to, to put me first. Angry that it's taken me too long. And it's always the thought of, oh, well, what if they're, what if I see them with someone else and they have the perfect relationship together? You know what I mean? Like I'm missing out um, something that I could have had with him if I would have changed my ways or if I would have, I don't know. It's No, I hear you, Jen. I hear you. And the truth is um, you're an expert. You had said earlier, you know, this fear of not being good enough and how that sort of permeates all your issues, that if I show who I really am, that maybe I won't be good enough. And part of what uh, affects you in your dating is that I'm not good enough to be dating. You had, you had made that very clear earlier. And isn't it interesting to hear you say now that, you know, I get mad at myself for, you know, wasting those nine months in that relationship. I get mad at myself for all these things in my past, wasting relationships that I wasted. I get mad at myself. I get mad at myself. You are an expert at beating the living shit out of yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Right. And 100%. I got news for you. Unfortunately or fortunately, the news is no child comes out of the womb saying, I suck. Yeah. No child comes out of the womb hating on themselves. No child comes out of the womb thinking, oh, the world is bad and I'm a piece of shit and boy, I better not show anyone who I am. That means that somewhere, sometime between the womb and right now, you were taught. Mm -hmm. You were taught that you're not good enough. You were taught to self-flagellate, to beat yourself up. You were taught this. And so forgive me for asking the obvious question, but who taught you to hate yourself, Jen? Uh, my mother and my father, both. In 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 what way above all else? In in very often it's not explicit. In what way above all else were you taught that you're no good, that you're not wanted, that you don't matter, that you suck, that you're not worthy of love? How was that conveyed? Um, my dad was an abusive alcoholic, physically and emotionally abusive, and my mom abandoned us. He would supposed to pick us up on the weekend, wouldn't show up, show up a day later, two days later, um, always put men first before her children, um, was in abusive relationships on top of my dad being abusive throughout my teenage years, very physically abusive. And so if I'm hearing you correctly and, you know, tell me where I'm missing it, that your father was physically and emotionally abusive and likely there were words that accompanied the physical abuse and words that conveyed the emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. um, and your mother left you yep. there in it. Mm -hmm. sure Can I did. ask you a strange question? Can I ask you a strange question, Jen? 
For you personally, and there's no right or wrong answer, it's a personal question. For you personally, who committed the greater crime? The parent that abused you or the parent who allowed you to be abused? The parent that allowed me to be abused. Right. Who is still alive. Right. My, my mother's still alive. And my father it passed away from cancer. Um, and I have went through therapy, have written the letters to him after he died, forgiven him now um, because he's no longer alive, had to forgive him. And I'm kind of at peace with that part of it. The piece that I'm not at part with that I struggle with every day is my relationship with my mother. And fair enough. Oh, go ahead, please. Um, have tried to get counseling with her so we could work on it together. But she's a sweeper. She sweeps everything under the rug. And well, and but but Jen, the mere fact that you want to clean up or have a relationship with her indicates that there's something you still want from her. I want her to be my mother. And specifically what you want in be my mother, quote unquote, is what? What is it you want her to do, say, or what is the experience, the feeling that you want to have by her, quote unquote, being your mother? I want her to apologize for taking off right. all those years ago. I want her to apologize for not being maternal, not being a mother, um, for for placing blame on me um, for all of my mistakes at, with our relationship together and not taking any accountability for how she treated us as, as children. And she's, she's never been a mother to me. I've been a motherly figure to her. And so that actually compounds the problem because you've had to take responsibility for her. So she's been basically the emotional child the entire yeah. time. She neglected you, left you with an abuser, and yet you still want something from her. And I don't blame you for that. But let me ask you this question, Jen. Uh, personal question, but roughly, how old are you? Are you closest to 30, closest to 40, or closest to 50, or what? Uh, 46. 46. So you have a 46-year pattern of behavior of your mother's. She, for 46 years, had no, in, no inclination, uh, no desire to take responsibility for you or take responsibility for her own actions. And yet, and I'm not dogging you for this. I'm just trying to say, is this, is this, yeah. what, this is what I'm seeing, that basically you have a 46-year pattern of behavior in her and you're still hoping it'll change. And it's because you still want something for, from her. And the truth is, when we want something from someone, they have power over us. Yes. They have yes. the power to withhold it. And as a result, because you want it and you're going, you're clinging and you're trying to manipulate her or get her to say the things that you think you need, she has power over you to keep you in a state of not mattering, keep you in a state of feeling unfulfilled and unhappy in life. And the fundamental message you've gotten from your mother is, I don't care, is you don't matter. Yeah. And that apology isn't just an apology, an acknowledgement of the pain that she's caused you and an apology for that. But the message under the message, if she were to do that, the message is, Jen, you matter. Because she clearly gave the message for 46 years, you don't matter. And I have tried to. She's one of the daily irritants in my life. I've written the five mm. daily irritants. She's one of them. And I have wanted to remove her from my life. And it's just not possible. But why is it not possible? Because she doesn't have a lot of family. And she relies on me for emotional support daily, which is draining me. And why do you feel it necessary to give her emotional support when she gives you nothing? Isn't it because you're still wanting something from her? It's not that you can't remove her from your life. It's that you don't want to because you're afraid if I remove her, I will never get the one person, forgive me, from whose womb I sprung, sprang, sprung, that I'll never matter to her. I will never get that message. And so you've been longing for 46 years for that message and you keep taking care of her. Yes, she's my mom. Yes, she doesn't have anyone. But the truth is you're placing her feelings is more important than your feelings because you're still wanting the one most powerful person in your life, or one of two, to say that you matter. Yeah, and I feel guilty by pushing her out of my life. I feel, I feel guilt. Sure, fair enough. But in truth, if we go back and look at five-year-old Jen, 10-year-old Jen, 15, 25, 30, 35-year-old Jen, yeah. there's so much pain. 
There's yeah. so much pain there that you are fully justified in walking away because the truth is she was never there for you. And my question for you, Jan, is when do you save yourself? You're still waiting around, waiting for your mother to save you by saying you matter, as if that would be the balm to your soul that I could finally be whole, I could finally heal. You're waiting for something and you have a 46-year pattern of behavior that you hope will break, and the odds are it ain't ever going to break. Yeah. And so at what point do your feelings matter than her feelings? At what point do you finally honor that five-year-old version of you and take care of her feelings and your feelings rather than continuing to wait for something that in all likelihood isn't going to come? What would it take for you to finally let go of your mom, specifically to finally let go of wanting something from your mom? What would it take? God, bad as it sounds, her being out of my life for good would mean, you know, her being, her being dead. Yeah. But isn't that because you're afraid to just walk away? I'm afraid to walk away. Because, because there's so much guilt she would place. I have dismissed her out of my life a few times um, for months at a time, just for things that she has said that has just wrecked me about my past. And how did she get back into your life, though, Jen? Slowly texting me, calling me. Um, you trying- let her in. Yeah. You let her in. I did. Right. You let her in. And the truth is, as I talk about... Uh, it's not just standing up for ourselves, but it's insisting. It's yeah. not just saying no, but standing up for our no. It's not just putting the boundary, but it's enforcing the boundary. And at some point, in all honesty, and you do what you want. You're a grown-ass woman. Yeah, I'm sure. not trying to tell you how to run your life. Yeah. But at some point, you have to value your feelings enough that because you keep going back to valuing her feelings and wanting something from her that you're never going to get, but her feelings are more important than your feelings. And at some point you have to matter. You're still waiting for an external power source to tell you that you matter and it isn't coming. It hasn't come in 46 years. It's a reasonable bet. It ain't going to come. And so at some point you have to matter enough to you to stand up and say no, because your no inside of the word no is the word I I fucking matter. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And what you just said about putting her needs and her wants first instead of mine. And that's, didn't realize I was doing that because I just felt guilt and more guilt and more guilt for pushing her out of my life. And well, okay, well, I can't be, she can't be in my life forever. So let me, you know, let me call her, let me text her. and, And I'm miserable. I'm miserable with her in my life. That's right. And that's because you're still wanting something. You have given away your power. She has the power. She has your power because you still want something from her. And until you no longer want that, she has power over you to make you fucking miserable. But once you let go of and you just sort of say, I'm never going to get it. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I'll sort through it and and so forth. But I have to let this person go because all they've been is a source of pain in my life. And where we make the biggest transformations in life is when we finally stand up and say no. Life begins at the word no and when we enforce our no's because inside of the word no, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to serve on the PTA. No, I don't want to go out to d- for dinner tonight. Or no, you can't treat me that way. Inside all of those is no, I don't want to. No, you can't treat me No, this isn't fair to me. Inside of the word no is the word I. And in so many homes, that is the one word. No was the one word you weren't allowed to speak because inside of no is I. And in so many homes growing up, the child was never allowed their I. For the first fucking time in your life, Jennifer, it's time for that I. Yeah. Because you have years ahead that can fucking be happy when you find your O, when you find your, or excuse me, when you find your I, when you find your no. And we yeah. do that by going back into the past and releasing all that pain, releasing all those fears. And and the bullshit beliefs you were taught about you, that the I doesn't matter, that you suck, that you're no good, which is clearly there. Going back in and releasing that and getting it out and getting it out and getting it out. And we become happier because our no's, the things we say no to in life are just as transformative as the things we say yes to. Jen, I want to thank you for being on the show. No, thank you. And to our previous uh, guest, Jennifer, uh, you were great. Thank you so much for being on our show, ladies. 
And uh, I, I encourage you to tune back in and, and we may have you back on the show for uh, another issue that we come up. But I want to thank you so much for your engagement tonight, ladies. And for the rest of us, uh, there's so much that we deal with in our uh, dating and in our lives. And there's so much that we struggle with, but particularly in our dating and in our relationships. And as we saw tonight with both Jen- Jennifer and Jen, which is odd that we had two people by the same name, but how fun. Uh, and I managed to keep them straight. Um, isn't it interesting that we saw in both cases how the stuff from our past so powerfully impacts our dating? And the thing is, when we're in our 20s, when we're in our 30s, we don't always see the correlation in no small part because we're still so ensconced. We're just coming out of all those messages. And very often in our 20s, the, those parents, those influential people still have such powerful impact. And they're so present in our lives that their messaging that got pressed in all those de- decades is being reinforced daily, is being reinforced every Thanksgiving or weekly or what have you. But as we go through life more and more, we experience the pain. And we try to discover where the fuck is my pain coming from in my relationships, in my dating? Why do I keep screwing up? And the more we track it, as we saw tonight with both Jen and Jennifer, it tracks back to that shit from childhood of I'm no good, I'm not wantable, or my wants were never honored. And so you saw in both of these relationships with Jennifer how her feelings like she was never allowed to want anything or her wants didn't matter as a child was precisely how she was going about her dating relationships. I mean, it was like tracking one-to-one. And then we saw with Jen how this notion of I'm not good enough, how that was very much reinforced by a mother who left her with an abusive father. Both of them conveying the father through the abusiveness, conveying you suck, you don't matter, you're no good, you're a piece of crap. That's what abuse conveys. Even if there are no words spoken, that's the message. You're crap. I'm going to kick you around. And the mother reinforcing that message, allowing that message by keeping her in that and further conveying the message, you're no good. You don't matter. So I, to those of you listening uh, to this podcast, if you are experiencing problems in your relationships, in your dating what we saw tonight and what I so much often talk about in the book and in my videos that I put up on TikTok and Instagram and so forth and in my counseling with my clients is that the answers are back there. The answers are back in the shit that you've been running from your whole life, that tidal wave of pain and all those feelings and all those charged memories that you've been running, 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 running from. And at some point we turn into it and we face it and we dive into it because that's where the answers are. And there is sweet liberation, sweet fucking liberation when we finally allow all of that out of us. So for those of you listening tonight, uh, I thank you for tuning in. It's great to have you here for the inaugural episode of the Badass Counseling Show. But a special thank you to both Jen and Jennifer. You guys were fucking awesome. Thank you for tuning into the show. I want to give a special shout out to... Uh, my producers, Casey, who is in the booth, and Rob, who's right here with me. Thanks, Rob, for all your help today. Feel right at home, Sven. Hey, brother, you're the best. You're the best. So thank you again for tuning in to the Badass Counseling Show, and we look forward to uh, talking with you on the next episode. Have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of the Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer, Sven Erlinson. Have a kick-ass day.